0: Hi and welcome to this week's episode of We Can Fix It. Another podcast about film. We take films we should have loved, point out how they fell short, and then we make new versions, ones we would have enjoyed so much more. It's everything you never asked for. So stick around and join us
1: for Alien 3: The Rewrites Edition.
0: All right. Excellent. So, um yeah, we're doing Excellent.
1: Tubular. <laughs> Just to give you a sneak peek, we're going to be doing Keanu
0: next. Um, okay, Keanu. so <laughs> not even a joke. Um, yeah, so we're doing Chris's fix for Alien 3. This is a rewrite, so get comfy.
1: Rewrite, can't wait. We're ready to go. I just want to say before I begin that for this reading, I want you guys to interject whenever you don't understand something. Got it. Okay, and definitely not a problem. Oh, should
0: it? we signal? Is there something we should signal? Like, well, what is no, there's it? No no signal? does the aliens make a noise?
1: No, there's no signal. You just <laughs> interrupt me.
0: We just drool, <laughs> drool so much like the aliens.
1: Interject where you deem it necessary. Alien. Open with Sulaco partway through its return trip to Earth.
0: Is this during credits? <laughs> so this is like pre-credit.
1: Well, okay. Opening sequence? The thing is, modern films don't really do credits like that, right? Uh, No, there's usually a teaser. So the way that they did in Alien Three is they literally rolled the credits over the rather important initial setup for the whole film, right? right? Yeah. Which I don't particularly like, and I don't think they should have done it that way. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you bring up credits because I think that's a valid point. I actually repair that because my beginning sequence is a lot longer, as you will see. Okay. They so- could
0: have done the credits over uh, David Fincher like pouring uh, gasoline on James Cameron's film stock <laughs> and credits, and then him lighting a match.
1: And then credits, and then it all burning in flames, and then credits, and then start the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would have been preferable, actually. Open with Sulaco partway through its return trip to Earth. And by the way, we don't know how much time has actually passed between them escaping the previous planet. They could have actually written, in text below, such and such a distance from Earth, Uh its actual destination. We see a shot-by-shot exploration of the internal space of the ship. All looks well until it doesn't as we finally get some uh, rooms with blinking lights and broken electrical panels and sparks spurting out. The ship is running routines to compensate for the damage. Despite the ship countermeasures, an electrical fire begins and quickly spreads. The ship sprinkler system is tripped, and it's at this point that the ship requires human intervention, and Ripley's hypersleep is interrupted. Makes sense. Maybe we can even see on a screen, like, a waking-up pod 257 or whatever, which happens to be Ripley's pod, and then it'll say her name. If anything wrong happens in the ship, then she is the one to be woken up. It makes sense. One guy's blind, the other one's a child. Yeah. It's half a robot. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. So she, you know, Ripley's a smart person. She would have thought of something like this. Uh, Ripley wakes up to an emergency warning and wipes the sleep from her eyes. She jumps into action, bumbling past Hicks, Newt, and Bishop's sleep chambers, while still feeling some of the effects of deep sleep. Mm -hmm. she disengages the lock on the hypersleep room door and it opens to reveal a smoke-filled adjoining hallway she makes her way to the storage area and discovers an electrical fire that the sprinklers are unable to deal with she takes manual control it's not till after the fire is dealt with that ripley discovers more damage and a large crate with burke and caution scribed on the label (laughs) that appears to have been broken out of from the inside right Right? Uh, so everyone knows where this is going. Sure. Burke's box is definitely not an alien. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's not explained in here, but it's Did implied, it if anyone listening is familiar with aliens, everyone knows that Burke is the bad guy. And so he's a corporate man, and they want to, whatever, take these aliens back home to use to create chemical weapons or what have you. So it would make sense in this movie if you could still use him as a kind of antagonist, and you can have him ship a box... And what would only fit in the box, you would presume, would be some eggs. Right. Or, or at very least, facehuggers. If anyone uh, remembers Aliens, there was this lab scene with a whole bunch of facehuggers in it. Mm-hmm. They didn't do anything with the facehuggers.
0: And we know that they were still alive. Were still alive, yeah, 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 We know that, that they were that still alive. That whole canister can be there.
1: Ripley puts the pieces together when she discovers acid burn marks around the edges of the hole in the crate. Present danger in mind, yeah. Ripley begins to run back to the hypersleep room. Mm -hmm. Along the way, another electric fire breaks out, but Ripley ignores it and keeps running. Mm -hmm. She makes it to the room only to discover a facehugger clinging to Newt's chamber, attempting to find its way in. Ripley acts fast, uses a hanging electrical wire to prod the facehugger, sending it flying backwards. Skittering is heard coming from behind, and Ripley turns to see another facehugger running down the connecting hallway into the open hypersleep room because she hasn't closed the door yet. She just ran into it, right? Right. She lunges for the door panel, narrowly uh, hitting the close button before the facehugger is able to enter the room. So she blocks that facehugger from even entering, right? So much action. First three pages, Yep. Um, Producers are going to love it. The (laughs) ship alerts... This
0: is what we're talking about. Keep it
1: moving. (laughs) The ship alerts (laughs) intensify, stating section A12 to C7 compromised, and it continues... Recommend full oxygen purge. Pauses, then continues. Dry dock necessary for repair. So basically, the ship is communicating to her, uh, sound good. We're fucked. It it's sound gotta good. land. We need to land somewhere, or at some space station or something. Hmm. We need a dry dock to repair all the damages, because it's been so massive so far. right? right. Uh, Ripley looks at the downed facehugger and decides to evacuate the ship before making sure that the alien is indeed dead. Mm -hmm. she quickly goes through the protocols and the chamber unlocks from the ship and starts drifting away. So I actually changed this from the original. There's this kind of weird circuitous thing that the ship does where it actually takes the pods and like sends them down to another part of the ship and then that part detaches from the ship and drifts off. Okay. My version is very simple where it literally dislodges the whole room. The room Mm -hmm. just literally unlocks and falls away from the ship.
0: Right, okay. Which
1: I think is easier and actually makes sense too because like if any part of the ship is going to be an escape pod, Wouldn't it be the hypersleep rooms? Yeah. Because that's where everyone's sleeping. Yeah. So you would just think the whole room would just, like, fall away. Yeah, the whole thing would be a life raft. Yeah. Yeah. So ship alerts cease. uh, The blinking red lights fade, and the compartment becomes dim as emergency light is engaged. The gravity field fails, and everything unattached starts floating. We see the escaped section of the ship, a.k.a. the pod, so from here I'll refer to it as such, uh, as it slowly rotates away from the Sulaco towards a planet just below. And for those with a keen eye, a small shadow can be seen disappearing within a hole in one of the metal plates on the outside. What? So are you guys picking this up? No. Okay, let me... we just know something bad's happening. So, so the pod... Which a lot of the time, that's how I watch movies. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know what's going on, but it doesn't look good. The
1: compartment with the sleep chambers is now turned into, effectively, an escape pod. Right. right. It's drifting away from the main there's body of the ship.
0: So there's something from outside going yeah. The yeah. face outside. hugger
1: that was on the other side of the door. Bingo. <gasps> Got it. Right? So Yeah, Ripley obviously doesn't know this information because it's happening outside of her vision. Right. Uh, But the audience is given some information that the characters in the story don't have at this point, right? Which is another facehugger did indeed make its way onto the escape pod. So it's clinging to the outside. Did it get in? It's clinging clinging to the to the the outside, and I'm thinking that due to some damage, it's able to find its way, nest its way into behind one of the panels of the pod. A warning is sounded. Atmospheric entry imminent. Ripley pushes herself over to a jump seat and locks herself in place as the escape pod shudders and vibrates. She looks a bit uncomfortable locked into the seat and darts her eyes around looking for the facehugger that was electrocuted earlier, but she can't spot it. Ripley grits her teeth as the g-forces involved with the atmospheric entry increase. She uses all of her strength and concentration to try and stay conscious. We see the escape pod descending through the atmosphere, thrusters periodically activating to stabilize orientation. When the pod gets to three hundred meters from the surface, the thrusters give full burn and slow the descent, right? Right. It's almost like it's navigating itself into a position Onto land? Onto land water. Onto land. It's implied that it's land that it's going to. Shortly thereafter, one of the thrusters shorts out nearly at the uh, land point, and the pod veers off course and hits the ocean 20 meters from the shore. So it goes off course. It kind of spins, right?
0: Now, word from our sponsor. Do you
1: you like... (laughs) Sorry about that.
0: (laughs) Stamps.com. Why go to a post office and you can just print your own? Stamps.com.
1: I've taken what they condensed down to—I don't know, like a minute and a half or something. It seems like an incredibly short amount of time, and I've mm-hmm. expanded it a lot.
0: No, this is great. This is a good cold open. What
1: it should be. Yeah, great. So, continuing from that, Hicks's chamber rips off of the wall and is thrown in Ripley's direction, only to stop a couple feet from her, held at bay by a row of cables attached to the wall. Nice little jump scare. <laughs> uh, and Ripley shits. <laughs> so Ripley shits her pantaloons. <laughs> Um, Ripley blacks out for an unknown amount of time. She suddenly wakes as water in the compartment nearly meets her chin.
0: My goodness, what's happening to Newt?
1: Good question. Her (laughs) eyes come to focus...
0: Settle down there. We're going to get there. We're going to get
1: there. That is... I have not forgotten that. Uh, Her eyes come to focus on a floating facehugger corpse mid-compartment. Another jump scare. Nice one. Uh, Just past there, Ripley spots Newt's opened (gasps) sleeping chamber. Oh, 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 no. Yeah. (laughs) she quickly releases her restraints and moves over to investigate with the sealing mechanism broken and water infiltrating the chamber ripley acts fast forcing the hatch open sufficient that she can get to newt ripley grabs newt's body and tries to pull her to the surface but it's at this time that ripley realizes that the water level has been steadily rising and so instead she moves to the door as quickly as possible with newt in hand and hammers the emergency exit button on the panel. As Ripley prepares herself to exit as quickly as possible, the water propels her and Newt out of the pod with a strong vacuum-like force. So um, their bodies are thrashed around in the water and Ripley loses grip of Newt. After the confusion dissipates, we see Ripley's body on the shore, clearly unconscious, and Hicks's pod not too far from her.
0: Oh great. Good. So
1: so as you recall, Whew. his worried, worried about it. His pod actually was broken free. A man crouches to inspect her. Satisfied that she is still alive, he carries her back to an antiquated mining base. Is that the right word? Antiquate? Can I say that? Sure. Old. Like Old-fashioned? Yep. Old. Yep. Dilapidated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, several hours pass. Waking up from a horrible dream involving Newt being swallowed up by darkness, Ripley finds herself in a grungy medical bay with Hicks on a cot next to her, unconscious.
0: That would probably be the... End of the cold open where the titles would come up when that person is dragging Ripley yeah. out of there, right? Yeah. Boom, Aliens 3. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's Makes actually sense. a very good place.
0: Yeah. exactly. Exciting. So uh, You just crammed the abyss in there. Here you go, see? <laughs> <laughs> we
1: didn't burn your film stock, James Cameron. <laughs> yeah, maybe subconsciously I was ripping off one of Cameron's films. I didn't even realize it. Okay, so um, the same man that carried Ripley to the location works with his back turned to her. Mm -hmm. He turns around and notices Ripley staring at a sleeping Hicks and then declares that he's in a coma. Okay. Uh, Waits a further moment and then says, uh, had he not been in hypersleep, he'd be dead. Pause again and then says, his slowed heart rate prevented him from drowning. Good. Uh, Ripley asks about the girl and the doctor pauses then shakes his head slowly.
0: Oh no! Oh Terrible. Yeah. But do they have the body? (laughs) I don't
1: like well, this, Chris. We gotta wait for it. Okay. As
0: a viewer, I'd yeah, already right. be asking these questions and Paul would be very upset with me. She's yeah. all right. The left half of her body has been burned
1: off. Yeah. She's all right. Yeah. Her, sorry, 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 sorry. her legs have been blown clean off. Oh, wait, who, who are you asking about? They attach her lower body to Bishop's upper body. That's how they do I was able it. I was able to save the legs. legs. It's, <laughs> it's okay. I was able to save her lower half. <laughs> So okay. it's sad, yes, but it's important that she dies, and you'll see why. Oh, she's going to be forced ghost. get it. Please continue. So Ripley, unlike Alien 3, and this is where I'm going to start ripping into Alien 3 in a little bit, uh, <laughs> she actually is, like, really psychologically taken aback by this. Because, like, here's a woman who's gone through all these things. Of course, yeah. And her new, effectively adopted daughter... Mm-hmm. She now is
0: dead. Just lost, yeah. She just
1: lost her. She's pushed harder than she's ever been pushed mentally to Mm -hmm. deal with grief, basically. Yeah. So she's, like, really trying to fight back the tears. Like, she wants to break down. But, you know, Ripley's a tough woman. So she's able to still keep it together, albeit barely. Mm -hmm. So her hands shake uncontrollably for a moment. But then she manages to stop them. So the man will, from here on, refer to as the doctor, moves towards the door at the far end of the room as what looks like the warden and his assistant pops by to check on the new guests. Mm -hmm. So this is a fair distance from from her and from the sleeping hicks, right? So they're they're kind of at the other end of the room. Ripley can't make out what they're saying. She's barely trying to do so as she's dealing with her anguish, hands pressed against her face. So she's trying to clean herself up, basically. She's putting her hands on her face. She's trying to stop because she's crying, right? Right. Through the openings between her fingers, Ripley, out of the side of her eyes, sees what looks like a small child walking by. But when she quickly pulls her hands away from her face, there's no one there.
0: Oh, Oh, so she's starting to see things?
1: She's seeing something. Yeah. Or is she? Or is is she? she... (laughs) Don't like it. (laughs) The warden notices Ripley's odd behavior and prompts the doctor to tend to his patient. Uh, The doctor walks back to Ripley and she quickly asks him if there is any children here to explain what she just saw. Mm -hmm. That's impossible, he says. In this place, there are only those of the worst kind doing time for their sins.
0: Got it. Prison planet.
1: Yeah. He leans in a little closer for emphasis and says, this is a prison. So cut to the general goings-on in the prison with the banter and the religious sentiment and the displeasure at the fact that a woman has broken the sanctity of the place. Got it. Uh, A particular inmate with a prison-made tattoo of a cross on his shoulder, uh, hereafter referred to as cross, uh, does not say anything. But amused at the situation, he smiles, revealing shark-like teeth. So it's almost like he's ground his teeth down or something.
0: Filed his teeth.
1: Yeah. Scary guy. And slowly cuts a line into his scarred forearm with what looks like a homemade shank.
0: Awesome. Weirdo.
1: Yeah. Ticks. Weird weird guy. (laughs) An inmate known as the Preacher walks to the front of the crowd and cools down the inmates, pointing to the sky and saying, God is testing us. Mm Mm-hmm. Next, the warden addresses them, attempting to placate them by saying, we, we've already called for a rescue that's sure to be here inside of a week, so please do try to control yourselves. He's mm-hmm. kind of an, a bit of an egotistical fellow, thinks he's better than the inmates. Sure. Yeah.
0: You can put him on one of those, like, open
1: yard prisons. They always have that that walkway, second yeah, level, yeah.
0: looking down on the prisoners. Yeah, and actually
1: sure. that's a good way of putting it, too. Like, we can imagine that he's actually on an above walkway, yeah. Yeah. addressing them downwards. so he's yeah. talking down to them, literally. Yeah, He continues... You're here because they believe you to be animals. Were they right? He knows a way to twist that knife to antagonize them, but also use their faith against them. They're like, oh, we're trying not to be animals, right? right we're yeah. trying to be above that. Sounds like a real dick. <laughs> so he's an asshole. Uh, that seems to quiet the inmates down. Mm-hmm. After leaving the meeting, an inmate of no particular description walks past calling his dog that's lost somewhere in the facility. Mm, right. His flashlight passes in front of the screen and transitions to the doctor checking the dilation of Ripley's eye back in the medical bay. Look at you, working on transitions already. I like it. Yeah. Good. So the doctor says, this will be the extent of the treatment I can offer, I'm afraid. He taps the syringe in his hand for air bubbles and continues, a bit short on functional equipment and supplies, you see. The doctor points to a broken uh, scanner and scant supplies in the corner of the room. The doctor gives Ripley a standard injection and asks her to explain herself. Ripley gathers her thoughts and explains the emergency, but omits the alien presence. As she has learned, talking about the aliens has not worked out well for her in the past. Right. The doctor stays silent, trying to get a read on Ripley. As Ripley replays the events in her mind, she remembers the facehugger and her inability to account uh, for the time that she was blacked out. It troubles her. Mm-hmm. So now she's finally starting to remember, oh, shit, I electrocuted a face hugger. It hit the ground. But then I blacked out for a while. Mm-hmm. And then when I came to, it was dead in the water. And They're also this, thinking...
0: And is this all just through Sigourney's
1: amazing acting? I think we should it, do
0: flashbacks, you
1: know? Flashback? I think... Well, it could also be like I mentioned that she's recounting the events, mm-hmm. but what if she pauses at certain parts? Like she wants she she's talking and then she's about to say the oh and then I electrocuted an alien, but she changed it a little oh, bit. Oh I see. I see right, right, but right. but then you then you literally visually see her pause like she's trying to account for it. There are parts that I legitimately can't lie to this doctor about because I don't even know what happened. If it was done intelligently enough, the cinematography alone, like and how it's acted, you mm-hmm. could maybe get away with her just thinking about it and then it's implied to the audience that yeah, she's actually thinking about that specific instance. Suspenseful
0: score will help here as well.
1: Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. She asked the doctor about the escape pod. He indicates that it was too heavy to drag from the water, but the tidal forces are such that it will have been beached by now. Actually, in the deleted scenes of Alien 3, you literally see cattle pulling this thing out of the water. Right. Which I thought was kind of stupid. I mean, <laughs> it's an escape pod that weighs I don't know how many tons. A bunch of cows aren't going to pull it out of the water. That's dumb.
0: They're alien cows, though, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You forgot the deleted, deleted scene where they talk about the strength of alien cows. Each one has the strength of 20 cows.
1: (laughs) But that could be why it's in a deleted scene. uh, Because they just looked at it later and they're like, okay, that's just stupid. Um, To better explain it, just have the ocean do it for them. So the ocean Mm -hmm. just literally washes the pot up onto shore. So Ripley demands to see it herself. Um, The doctor flatly refuses. Ripley tells the doctor that uh, they have a working medical scanner in the pod... And that if he allows her to check it out, it's all his. He narrows his eyes and then cocks his head in acceptance. So he doesn't explicitly say, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. You know, like he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. But he's like, "Ah, oh, but with that scanner would make my job so much easier, you know. Right. Next, we see them suiting up to go outside. The atmosphere is breathable. But at this time of day, the temperature is minus 20 and dropping. The doctor says, we need to be quick.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So in Alien 3, it's not really depicted that it's that cold out. Seemed all right out there. I'm pretty sure I saw seagulls too, like squawking in the movie. Can't be. It's not minus forty like they claimed yeah. in the movie. Yeah, it's kind of silly. It's just Maybe windy and kind of dank.
0: Really dramatic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like, minus, 40. <laughs> minus forty out there. Go out there. Yeah. <laughs> oh my
1: god! I hate never asking you anything again. <laughs> so I kind of met it halfway. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, let's make it minus 20 for now. Right? Yeah, yeah. But let's give them some proper weather, too. Sure. So maybe it's snowing or something. Yeah. You know? Inhospitable. It's inhospitable, exactly. Yeah. They march out to the beach, and as they go, Ripley grabs a chunk of steel rod out of the sand and brushes it off and pretends to use it as a walking stick. Hmm. She is weaponizing. She's weaponizing? A, she's a crafty lady. Right. The doctor sees this and is wary. So the doctor's not an idiot, as I mentioned before. It's right. not like he doesn't know what she's doing. He's keeping a safe distance. He's monitoring her, you know, like visually, making sure that she's not up to any shenanigans. Mm-hmm. So as they approach the beached pod, Ripley asks the doctor to stay outside while she checks. He reluctantly agrees so long as he can stand near the door to observe her. Right. She nods and continues inside the pod. With dusk nearly here, the inside of the pod is covered in shadow. Mm-hmm. Ripley activates a flashlight attached to her lapel and begins to look around. Is it lapel? Is that how you pronounce that? Sure, like La- the collar? The collar of whatever she's wearing, yeah. Sure. No sign of, of a dead facehugger, she notes Small acid burns dapple the inside of the pod. She finds a significant acid burn next to where Hicks's sleep chamber uh, used to be, which explains the structural failure before the crash. She finds more ambiguous marks on the other sleep chambers, all of which are open with the exception of one. Ripley approaches and then brushes ice off of Bishop's chamber, but can't seem to get a good look. So she uses the steel rod to release the hatch, and she finds him laying there cut in half and frozen solid. He, I mean, the whole place was saturated in water. Even the sleep chambers were not safe. So water did get in there, and he's literally frozen. He's like a big half of a man popsicle you know, right. inside of that chamber. The doctor, meanwhile, witnesses this and realizes that the rod was not meant to be used as a weapon. He's trying to get a feel of Ripley, right? Like, friend, foe, can I trust her, can I not? I don't know what I'm dealing with here. So he's very... So that's why he said, okay, I'll I'll stand at the door, but I'm going to watch what you do.
0: Mm -hmm. So can Mm -hmm. you hear him in the back going, hey, (laughs)
1: hey, what are you doing? What are you opening? (laughs) What do you see? Tell me what you see. (laughs) The doctor, meanwhile, witnesses this and realizes the rod is not meant to be used as a weapon. But then his attention is grabbed by something he faintly sees on the outside of the pod. Ripley quickly uh, identifies and grabs the medical scanner on the wall and then places it under her arm and calls the doctor in to help her heave Bishop out of there. The doctor is gone. He's not even at the door. No shit. He's dead. Uh, Ripley repeats herself, <laughs> kind of imagining she's still looking at Bishop. Yeah, like she's, she's
0: probably like, hey, where'd you go? <laughs>
1: yeah, and she's like assuming he's there, but just right. doesn't know that he's not there. Mm-hmm. Ripley repeats herself and waits. No response. No response. She grows concerned. She, so she's actually looking around now, like actually going towards, maybe even creeping towards the door cautiously. All of a sudden, the doctor walks in talking about some weird damage that no. he was observing on the outside of the pod. Another jump scare. Mm. Jump opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> got it.
0: Every 10 minutes, has got to be a jump <laughs> yeah. scare. Got and it. this time, it's
1: literally just a guy turning a corner. Yeah. yeah, yeah and, sure. and it scares the shit out of uh, yeah. the audience. All right. Yeah, that's a
0: good, good moment.
1: So he saw this damage on the outside of the pod that he can't account for, right? Mm-hmm. And he's relaying this information, but is cut off by Ripley as she asks him to help with Bishop. So she doesn't even, she's not, she's, she's her like, mind's. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: whatever, whatever. whatever. Yeah.
1: Her, her mind's like tracking 10 different places, right? So she's not even really concerned about that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When he looks unamused, she points out the scanner under her arm. So mm-hmm. it reminds him, this is why we came. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you want this? Then you're going to help me, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm delivering. Yeah, I'm yeah. delivering on my promise, so yeah. if you wouldn't mind doing this one last thing for me, that'd be great. Let's be quick. I need to check out my friend, she says.
0: He seems like bishop in a bishop as a popsicle, right? Yeah, frozen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> He's probably like, what? This is your friend? <laughs> yeah. That's broken, lady. <laughs> yeah. Lady. The real robot's broken. Yeah. What's the point? So we just cut to the warden's office from here. So at the warden's office, he and his assistant discuss the details provided to them by the authorities regarding the rescue mission when interrupted at the door by the Preacher and Cross showing up. Preacher shows up first, guiding Cross. Okay. Like he's leading the way. Preacher is the one inmate that most people trust. Yeah. He's kind of the leader of the inmates for good reason, because he is actually the closest thing to morally virtuous. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, has the right etiquette and he he follows the right protocols and such. So he has a relationship with the warden and everyone else that the other inmates just don't have. Uh, The preacher complains that Cross has been cutting himself again and the warden calls for the doctor. Mm. No answer. The warden is not pleased. So meanwhile, the doctor and Ripley have finally arrived back at the medical bay, trying to warm themselves as they find a place for the frozen bishop torso. (laughs) They barely get comfortable when the doctor receives a call from the warden's office and dismisses himself. Ripley takes this opportunity to scan Hicks and herself. Uh, She is relieved, however, to find that neither herself nor Hicks have been infected. She places her hand against Hicks's brow and slowly strokes it. Ripley then sees a small childlike figure watching her out of the corner of her eye she turns very slowly so as not to miss it this time. As Ripley brings the child into view, before she can make out who it is, she blinks and the image of the child changes to a rather brutal-looking man with a cross on his shoulder Mm. standing at the doorway of the medical bay. It's implied she's kind of hallucinating or she's seeing something that's not really there. She's not able to see the face of this person that she's imagining yet. So cross is shepherded into the room by the preacher, followed by the doctor. The doctor begins to mend the man's wounds. Cross stares at Ripley, unblinking, as this is going on. So this is a rather creepy fellow, let's just say. Preacher sees this and walks over to Ripley and says, gesturing towards Cross, if you value your safety, be as far away from this and those like him as possible. Right. Then he continues, this place is comfortable. He's referring to the medical bay. This place is comfortable. I suggest you make it home until they pick you up. Ripley replies, Pick me up. Who? And then she's cut off. The preacher abruptly interrupts and says, save your question for someone else. He turns and walks away, grabs cross from the doctor and escorts him out of the room. So basically the preacher at this point, you can tell he has some control over what happens to the inmates in the facility and Mm -hmm. even the doctor. Because like the doctor's barely even finished. You know, he's putting some uh, antibacterial stuff on him and then he's wrapping him, whatever. But he's like barely even finished and already the preacher's dragging the guy out of his hand. Right. Just so they can get out of there. Because he cares about his uh, men. Yeah, he cares about them and he cares about them being separated from Ripley. Right. right, So that he can keep his flock effectively in check. Right. right? Ripley now alone with the doctor asks him about the rescue mission. And he admits that he was just told about it by the warden. Ripley wonders why the rescuers are so responsive. She asks, why would the authorities care that much about a bunch of expendables? Mm Mm-hmm. Not even necessarily to him, but kind of under her breath, like she's saying it to herself. Like, the the math on this doesn't make sense. Why would they give a shit about us? Clearly, they didn't give a shit about us before, during my first film, during my second film. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Why would they care about us during our third film? The doctor asks her to repeat herself, because she's kind of talking to herself right now. But Ripley changes the subject to Newt, despite the fact that she's noticeably struggling with the subject. So she's still, like, it's not like she's over it. Right. Which is something I heavily dislike about Alien 3 by the way. Yeah. So in this film she doesn't get over it. Yeah. Uh Ripley pulls herself together and asks if he's done an autopsy on the body. The doctor says unemotionally that she died of drowning. Ripley presses him further. Insulted by her insinuation that uh, that he hasn't done his job properly, he says that he will go no further until she explains herself, right? He's been listening to her pretty carefully. She wanted to go out to the pod. There was some weird stuff that he noticed at the pod, and she wouldn't explain, right? She just kinda of changed, changed the subject. And now she's kinda of changing the subject in. She keeps doing it.
0: Yeah. She made him lug a robot
1: half all the way. Yeah. I'm sure he didn't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's cold. I mean heavy. he <laughs> may have <laughs> pulled a muscle in his back, lugging it's half the exactly. cold. This is when things change for Ripley a little bit with regard to their relationship. So Ripley, though reluctant, realizes that the doctor has been quite trustworthy and helpful thus far. Mm -hmm. So she decides to explain, and in quotes, there's an illness that makes the body cavity explode before releasing a horrible thing into the world. The doctor watches as Ripley painfully grasps her chest as she speaks. So it's almost like when she's talking about this, she's like, can feel it in her chest. Sure. Um, Unsure of what to make of the tale, the doctor pauses and then is about to respond when they're suddenly interrupted. The warden's assistant, followed by a grief-stricken and sobbing inmate, pull into the medical bay with a cart carrying a dead pit bull.
0: Mm. Oh,
1: no. Right. Uh, the man is hysterical, blaming Cross for the murder of his dog. It's implied that Cross is this troublemaker of the group. Like, yeah. he's the, he's the off, most awful of them, right? right? And they all kind of get along, you know, with some exceptions, but he doesn't. He's, he's a weirdo. Right? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so this guy immediately just blames him. Yeah. Uh, The warden's assistant tells the man to not throw around accusations so easily. So, this tells us something about the assistant. Yeah, he does care at least a certain amount about keeping a certain law abidingness and like decorum and
0: justice Yeah, justice
1: to this place. Uh, The doctor approaches the dog carcass and then abruptly stops because he sees it clearly now, right? Yeah.
0: Ripley, like
1: this. (laughs) Ripley approaches cautiously (laughs) behind him. Mm-hmm. ripley sees this and now her spidey sense is tingling in front of them lays a dog on a slab with his chest cavity exploded outwards mm. like a grenade went off inside of its stomach judging by the state of this dog this happened many hours ago the doctor says he turns to ripley and they just stare at one another now that he's seen this evidence that actually corroborates what she literally just said to him it's percolating his mind like this might be true which she's framed as being a disease Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. She could say literally what it is, mm-hmm. but that's even harder for people to grasp. So she's kind of like, what can people relate to? You mm-hmm. know, well, a disease, right? Like yeah. you could di- die from diseases and you can spread like a virus, a disease, right? She's
0: like, mm-hmm. let me use medical <laughs> Yeah, You're a doctor.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And this is where it cuts. So they, they're looking at each other, and then that's where we cut to a new scene. So meanwhile, an inmate is doing his chores, scrubbing the inside of, of an air exchanger, some three-meter-wide tube, with a large fan at the end of it. So this is the same as what right. happens in the movie. He steps into some goo, mm-hmm. and you know what happens next. In, in an alien movie, you step in goo, chances are bye-bye time. Right. You, Got it. You know, screams echo through the air system, grabbing the attention of other inmates. Mm-hmm. Sometime later, the doctor finds the inmate's body crammed into a ventilation uh, shaft adjoining the air exchanger. Mm-hmm. So he's not in the air exchanger, and he's not been blown up by the fan like it is in the movie. Which, <laughs> hey, I'll take it or leave it. He's just I... stuck. Yeah. stuck. He's, yeah. He's crammed into a vent. It's like something dragged him in there. Or something. Right, 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 Or tried yeah. to. Or tried to, yeah. He notes two odd things. Burn marks in the metal. He's seen this type of damage before, and he was on the escape pod, uh-huh. which is what he was trying to bring to Ripley and an oddly shaped puncture wound on the forehead of the deceased inmate. So this is new information. Ripley didn't even mention, you know, like his brains are like oozing out and there's like a hole in his forehead. Ripley, does
0: this disease also leave weird bite marks on the forehead? Yeah. (laughs) She's
1: like, oh, yeah. Sure. You said that. I didn't say that. You said it. It's at this point the doctor decides to confer with the warden about what he's seen here. Back at the warden's office, the warden dismisses all of the doctor's findings and recommends that they keep Cross under watch until such a time as he can be found guilty of these crimes. So it is Cross that the warden automatically... The automatic suspect. Everyone everyone who's not in the know of what the doctor knows, what Ripley knows, and almost no one else... Mm They would automatically just blame Cross because, again, he's the grenade in this situation. He's the crazy inmate that anything is possible with him. Right. I
0: I bet Cross is really regretting sharpening his teeth (laughs) now. Idiot.
1: So the doctor pushes back, but the warden threatens him, abusing his station to silence the doctor. Some time has passed. The doctor now, back with Ripley, lets her in on what he found in the air exchanger and how that compares with the burn marks he found on the outside of the escape pod. Uh, Ripley's eyes widen and she says, there was two, uh-huh. she exclaims. And the doctor says to her, to what? Right. So meanwhile in the mess hall, as the warden attempts to calm the inmates by explaining that the culprit has been caught, and he gestures to Cross sitting there handcuffed. And he says, it's just a matter of time uh, till we have it all sorted. But before he can continue, the warden is interrupted by a decapitated body of an inmate falling through the overhead air duct and slamming into a table below. Mm-hmm. Uh, it becomes utter pandemonium as inmates spill out of the mess hall into the adjoining corridor. The warden, huddled under a table, shouts to his assistant to hit the alarm. Mm-hmm. The assistant, apprehensive to leave his hiding spot, finally gives in and runs from cover and hits the alarm. So, again, here is implied that the warden is kind of a bit gutless. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the preacher is trying, and seemingly failing, to bring order to the inmates as they continue to run around confused and frightened. In the confusion, Cross slips out of sight. Mm, Gets away. Uh, Now, back in the medical bay, the doctor has just completed lockdown of the double-layered steel doors to the room. Ripley, meanwhile, is conflicted because she had intended to get the doctor to agree to inspect Newt's body, but she now suspects the worst. She looks towards Hicks and realizes that he is vulnerable. She shouldn't leave him uh, if she can. The doctor is starting to think that Ripley isn't delusional and probes her for more information. Do you know what this is about, he asked, referring to the alarm. Ripley doesn't directly answer, but states, if you have any weapons, she pauses for emphasis now is the time to get them the doctor not altogether satisfied with the information acquiesces and goes to grab whatever he can find ripley interrupts him pointing to uh, their surveillance camera on the wall do these work she asks uh, the doctor nods his head as he pulls a cattle prod out of uh, a locked cabinet ripley cocks her head to the side quizzically cattle are one of the few perks of this place he says with a smirk ripley returns the smile so this is the first time basically that there you see a kind of the characters are getting closer So Ripley returns the smile and then turns to trace the surveillance camera cable all the way down towards the now thought-out bishop, Mm -hmm. where she pauses to ponder what to do next. Meanwhile, we see the preacher with a couple of the more calm and clear-headed inmates marching down the main corridor... With makeshift weapons in hand, so it's like boards with nails in them and sure, yeah. a pipe and you know stuff like that. Yeah, tagging behind them are the warden and assistant as they all head towards the warden's office. Right. Right.
0: And is it because they're looking for a safer place to be?
1: Yeah. So a piercing scream coming from the rear can be heard echoing down the corridor. An even more unsettled warden pushes himself to the front of the group, sandwiching himself between the inmates. Mm -hmm. The preacher, without even looking back, says, I didn't think I'd see the day when the warden decides to rub shoulders with us sinful souls. The warden's alert expression changes to a grimace, and he replies, another 20 meters, and we can spread ourselves as thin as the room will allow, Mr. Preacher. So, you know, like he kind of jabs back, like, yeah, I don't like you either. Right, right, right. The assistant blurts out, who could do this? And uh, the preacher responds, when God wants to kill bad men, he doesn't send a who, he sends a what. But before anyone has time to think about the profundity of the preacher's words, they hear clinging in the large pipe above them. They all start running as quick as possible towards the warden's office, which they narrowly make it to and shut and lock the door. Um, A straggler reaches them and slams his fists against the door. The preacher moves to open it, Mm -hmm. but is stopped by the warden's gaze. So the warden's like, don't you fucking dare. Not even a moment later, and they hear a terrified whimper, and then the sound of a man's chest being crushed in, followed by the body being quickly towed away. Everyone looks at each other, beads of sweat all down their faces. The warden slowly and silently, as possible, reaches over and hits the button on the intercom to the medical bay.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: The doctor picks up on his end and begins to converse with a very quiet warden. The warden's like whispering. While in the background, Ripley is working on Bishop. An assortment of wires connecting to both a power outlet and the surveillance system jut out of the side flap of Bishop's head.
0: Okay. so She's patching him in.
1: Patching him in, yeah. Ripley is tweaking things as Bishop struggles to speak in a very synthetic and disjointed sounding voice. Mm-hmm. Finally, after several attempts, Bishop's words become coherent but filled with weakness. Mm-hmm. Ripley holds back tears as she has trouble seeing her friend in such a pathetic state. I'm sorry, she says. I wouldn't have brought you back like this unless it was an emergency. Bishop replies with some difficulty, uh, I understand. Right. Bubbles of white fluid flow out of his mouth as he speaks. Yeah. Um, If anyone is familiar with how these robot things work, they're always filled with some kind of white. Yeah. They run on milk. They run on milk, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) lots of it, copious amounts comes out of his mouth when he talks, (laughs) basically. So it's extra disturbing looking. Right. Uh, Ripley tells Bishop that he should be able to access the surveillance system and track the creature. Bishop complies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Ripley asks Bishop oh, where the creature currently is. Then there's a pause. A few seconds later, he responds, it's in the ducts above the warden w- w- warden's office. Yeah. This is my attempt at robot <laughs> speech, so forgive me. It's pretty crappy. But Perfect. just imagine he's like really... Perfect. It's yeah. really synthetic sounding. He's yeah. slurring his words a lot. Meanwhile, the doctor is asking the warden to repeat himself for like the fourth time mm-hmm. as he seems to be speaking some very quiet gibberish. All of a sudden, there's a loud crash over the intercom, followed by screams which go on for what seems like far too long, and then silence. The doctor turns to Ripley, staring for a moment, and then says they're dead. And then someone says, who's dead? Hicks asks as he hobbles into Oh, him. nice. One hand clasps his bandaged head and the other hand uses a metal comb as a support. Nice. Ripley smiles and hugs Hicks, forgetting the situation only momentarily before stating that they must get out of the room. The doctor checks out Hicks as Ripley asks Bishop to estimate the area of the hunting ground of the beast and where they might go to be outside of it. Bishop says that the only place he sees no evidence of the beast is the morgue. Okay. Uh, Ripley is jolted right then, and then the room goes black. She turns to find a small child with her head down, sitting in a chair. Ripley approaches, places her hand on the child's forehead, pushes gently, revealing the desiccated face of Newt. And then Newt's eyes open suddenly, and they are completely black. Newt opens her mouth to speak, but a hiss comes out instead.
0: Mm, nice. It's a hallucination and a fear that's, that's uh, because of the more and more evidence that she's seeing in real life in her imagination is getting more and more clear. Yeah. That, that fear that there was an alien in Newt.
1: Yeah. Ripley snaps out of her delusion and finds herself in the embrace of a sturdier Hicks. She calms herself. Ripley focuses her gaze on the doctor and asks, the shortest route to the morgue, what is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, the doctor is about to respond, but Bishop interjects and gives Ripley the exact route down to the centimeter. Because, mm-hmm. you know. He's a, robot. A, he's a robot, so he can do that. Yeah. Uh, the doctor, now fully on board, asks what else they need beyond the cattle prod. Mm-hmm. Hicks responds by asking nonchalantly, have you ever made a Molotov before? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we find the preacher and one other inmate slogging through the quarter in the direction of the medical bay. Are they injured? Both have clear injuries, okay. but the inmate is worse off holding a tight grip around his belly as there is a steady stream of blood dripping all over his pants. The inmate begins to falter, and the preacher grabs him and pulls him along. The preacher glances upward and says, You test us? It's like he's talking to God. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. He pauses, then continues, With this thing. Then he says, If this is our atonement, then so be it. Right. Uh, So at this point, he's just dragging the inmate and looks over to find a dead man. So the guy died, basically, as he was saying this. The preacher drops the man's body and positions him in about the most comfortable position he can muster. Mm -hmm. He closes the man's eyes, crosses his heart, and moves on. Sure. Last rites. Yep. We now see Ripley, Hicks, and the doctor with a bag of supplies, trotting their way through winding corridors on their way to the morgue. The pipes on the walls and ceiling begin to vibrate. Ripley stops dead in her tracks as they pass through the atrium. So they actually go in such a weird route that they come all the way back to the front of the mining base or whatever it is, okay. to the atrium, the entry area, mm-hmm. um, on their way to the morgue. Ripley stops dead in her tracks as they pass through the, the atrium. So they, they literally stop at the atrium, and there's, like, the front doors, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's windowed because the base is not built to fend off of aliens' attacks. So right, the, mm-hmm. they, they do have windows in this place. As she spots a ship landing in not too far distance mm, right? arrived already. so yeah and the doctor confirms that this is indeed the rescue ship and they are arriving much sooner than he imagined Ripley with an even greater level of concern on her face turns and continues down the corridor Hicks follows the doctor objects wondering why it is at this point they don't just wait for the rescue team because they surely have weapons uh, Ripley bluntly retorts by saying they're not here to rescue me mm-hmm. she pauses then continues they're here to take it back it's because of corporate assholes like them that we're here in the first place. The doctor, not quite sure what to make of the situation, drops the subject, and they continue. So he's he he gets it, but it's still like, it's so much information, it's kind of like he's overloaded. They finally reach the morgue entrance, and Hicks pulls a Molotov out of the bag and a lighter out of his pocket and activates the little propane torch. The lighter does a decent job of illuminating the room as they make their way inside, Ripley tells the doctor to hold the cattle prod at ready and to tell her which one of the storage units has Newt in it. Doctor replies, uh, the one near the rear, second to the top. Hicks and Ripley walk to the back and are surprised to find Newt's corpse laying on the ground next to the door of her storage unit, clearly ripped off from the outside. So she's been forcibly removed and not from the inside. Something Mm -hmm. has removed it from the outside. Ripley slowly and apprehensively walks towards the corpse receiving delusional flashes of an intact living girl. Ripley wants to cry, but holds it back. Newt's body has an unmistakable hole in the chest, but the blood has not yet coagulated. Ripley turns her head to look back at Hicks, and their stares meet for a second. They're just locked eyes, because something's about to happen, of course, right? Mm -hmm. Sensing something is wrong, Hicks is just about to light the Molotov when he's interrupted by the beast grabbing him and lifting him from the rear. And he's not even had time to light the damn fucking Molotov, which is in his hand, right? This is
0: what you woke up for. All right.
1: (sighs) Yeah, exactly. The lighter falls to the ground, along with the bag filled with Molotovs. Hicks struggles with the creature while Ripley lunges for the bag and the lighter. Just as it looks like it's bye-bye for Hicks, the creature is stabbed in the side by the electrical cow prod being held sturdily by the doctor. The creature gives out a pain-filled yell, But as it torques its body, throwing off both Hicks and the cattle prod, Mm -hmm. Hicks is able to break the Molotov he was holding on the creature. Hicks is hurled powerfully against a pillar where he collapses to the ground severely injured. Meanwhile, the doctor is pushed back by the creature. It takes a couple swipes at him, trying to stay out of range of the prod, and manages to clip the doctor's shoulder. Ripley simultaneously is attempting to light another Molotov, mm-hmm. but the lighter won't light. So in uh, Desperation, she just throws the bottle at the irate creature. It changes targets and turns towards Ripley, who is still desperately trying to light the lighter, while smashing more of the flammable bottles on the ground directly in front of her in preparation for her next move. So she has a plan, right? Even though <laughs> she literally just thought it up. And it's like kind of obvious, but it's a—it's not... A, it's, yeah, it's
0: the a, alien to slip and slide in the puddles of liquor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Of course, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, that could be that could be that could be part of it. <laughs> it being an alcoholic alien decides to slurp it up and give them a bit of a rest. Right. Uh, no, that's not what happens. Um, <laughs> so she's trying to light the lighter, and she's got this bag filled with Molotovs that have not been lit yet. Lit, uh, so highly flammable stuff. She's like, I can't light this damn shit. So she's smashing them on the ground, covering the ground in this liquid. Right. Right. And as she finally is able to get the lighter to work. The creature flips its tail around and clotheslines Ripley right in the chest, mm-hmm. sending her flying back and knocking the air out of her. Uh, the lighter with the still active flame lays there on the ground, so she did drop it, but, but it's still lit. It's still lit. Oh. Yes, space lighters, awesome. Yeah, uh, Ripley tries desperately to reach the lighter a couple of feet away, but she can't move more than her arm at this point as the creature walks slowly toward Ripley. Almost as though it's relishing the moment. You know, the alien has a tendency to kind of do that sometimes. So silly. Just alien. like get in real close and <laughs> it's like, it's going to pounce, but it's almost like things are happening in slow motion for no reason. Right. The alien right, has a tendency right, to yeah. do that. Tension.
0: Smelling her first. Making sure she's fresh.
1: <laughs> Ripley sees with her faulty vision, Newt enter from the left. Pick up the still lit lighter. What? I'll look towards happening? Ripley. So so she looks at Ripley.
0: What is happening?
1: Yep. <laughs> She's got lighter in hand. Okay. And then she drops said lighter into the fluid. Okay. Now, this is what Ripley sees for the purposes of closure, but not what actually happens. Mm-hmm. So it's That's almost nice like thing. she wants to give the win to Newt. Okay. In Ripley's mind. Right. to give Ripley closure that Newt's Justice. death Newt's death was not for nothing. So the creature, along with a lot of the ground below it, bursts into very hot flames, almost like a miniature explosion. The thing flails around in what seems like excruciating pain,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then it moves to run, but only makes it a few steps before it succumbs and falls to the ground dead. Oh! Now, burns. Uh-huh. Newt walks over to Ripley, reaches out to touch her okay. on the shoulder as Ripley passes in and out of consciousness as the hand touches her we see that it is in fact the doctor oh the doctor is trying to keep Ripley awake continuing to talk to her but as he himself has been badly burned he is struggling to even kneel uh, in front of her when it seems like it's all over the doctor is whacked over the head and collapsed to the ground do you remember cross mm. sure do. escape with a you know with handcuffs well he doesn't have the handcuffs anymore Still he managed alive. to get out. Of. Oh, my goodness. Still alive. Cross steps into frame with a big perverse grin and says to Ripley, remember me? You know, but imagine uh, more psychotic, remember me, or something like that. You know, it's <laughs> almost like you can hear the fluid dripping out of his mouth or something. Sure. Well, and, it's just and like you the can alien. Also, yeah, and he's got those big... Alien teeth. Weird, yeah, shark teeth. Makes him look not even human. Okay. Ripley, though sees the threat, still isn't in complete control of her faculties mm-hmm. and can't put up a resistance. So Cross pulls back for a moment to gaze over his prize before he indulges further. When all of a sudden, the small end of the cow prod smashes through his sternum.
0: Okay, yeah, all right.
1: Cross falls to the ground, stone dead. It's instant death. Right. So it was almost like
0: a chest burster, but it wasn't a chest yeah, burster. It was yeah, yeah. It's like a
1: false chest burster. Oh, false chest yeah. burster. Okay, so Cross falls to the ground, stone dead, revealing the preacher standing with the cattle prod in hand. Oh, Remember, the preacher, preacher never died. He made it. Preacher. Preacher was still around. All right. Clearly injured himself with heavy breathing. The preacher says, I just now realized the demon I was asked to kill. Then he looks over at the charred corpse of the monster and says, and I see that you took care of yours as well. Mm, Nice one. The camera slowly pulls out and we see corporate personnel enter the area immediately beginning to survey it. Mm -hmm. Credits roll. Oh,
0: That's it, eh? You don't even explain? Nope. Great. Because so I was waiting for. I was waiting for an explanation. <laughs> but then that leaves you with options to carry on in the next one.
1: Sure. Yeah. Okay. So I would like to say that this was a genius stroke on my part, but it wasn't. It was a happy accident. What happens to coincide here is almost what you need for Alien Four to make sense.
0: Okay. So. So Ripley uh, is taken into custody,
1: and then they make
0: clone Ripley. Yeah.
1: They don't make clone Ripley's. They don't make because they don't need it, and why? It's Ripley. Okay, so this Ripley never died. Okay, Okay, yeah. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, how many aliens were there? Two. Right. Yep. So they (laughs) killed one of them. Right. So they still got the other one. The other one, Uh, they never found it. Right. Remember, chest burst open, nowhere to be found, and it's implied there's some significance to this one, like it's the queen. So much and much like Alien 3, it was the queen. But instead, in that film, it was inside of Ripley. You really screwed yourself, which is basically what they did, trying to think of a way to make another Alien movie after, which is why they had to make. uh, I just want to mention this shortly. In Alien 4, I don't know if you guys watched it recently, but they resurrect her, which Mm -hmm. is literally in the name of the movie. Yeah. In resurrecting her, and by the way, they explicitly say how they do it. They use it from her blood blood at the site of where she had died earlier. And yep. they use that to clone her some, something like 200 years in the future. So why would you immediately assume or even think that it would make sense that that would also clone the alien inside of her? Right? So my solution <laughs> is that you can make an Alien 4 based on the events of the end of this movie. Oh,
0: wow. Right? T- you it's, it's, you it's,
1: saved Alien 4. I saved Alien 4. In terms of
0: yeah. making sense. See, Why, Chris you, did went not only, Chris Why did you went not to that? Why you went to that trouble? Fix one movie. <laughs> he fixed two movies. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Alien You're four. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much.
1: guys. <laughs> this is Lou's rewrite. Yep. Fix All right.
0: It. You know, you can go completely crazy. I know a lot of people like out there. There have been a lot of iterations of like. You know, the aliens were all on Earth, and that movie was sort of supposed to get made. So, um, I hope this is kind of original and is not like retreading any territory too much. But it still incorporates ideas from Aliens 3, the movie that did exist, so it's not completely off the rails. Okay. All right. So, uh, the cold open for Aliens 3 is, um, a floating escape craft sort of gets, uh, yeah, this ship sort of gets pulled into this planet, whether this planet has this uh, tractor beam or some kind of way of, of bringing in ships that get too close to its orbit down to this planet. And you think that it's going to open up and it's going to open up just like Alien and Aliens where it's going to be Ripley and the people that we lost in Aliens too, But instead you open it up and it's sort of like just some people who escaped from uh, LV-323, whatever the planet, the, the moon 242, whatever the planet Right, was. the one that were that was supposed to have colonized. Like- yeah, because right. it did have, like, all these people who lived there, like Newt's family, this whole, like, community. So I'm, I'm sort of postulating that someone got off the planet. Right. So they arrive, and it's sort of, like, hinted um, that these people that are, are rescued are kind of, like, already infected oh, with no. some aliens, you know what I mean? Right. But where they've landed is still kind of like this prison planet, similar to the concept of Aliens 3, but not so Terry Gilliam, not so derelict. Not right. so, it, It's almost like the corporation is running right. this. So things are clean still. It's not yeah. disgusting. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's just the cold open, just the realization that this semi-corporate prison planet has rescued this shuttle and there's people on it. And I think the main representative for the corporation, I'm using the doctor, you know, from Aliens 3, who I'm actually going to use in this movie as a bad guy. Gotcha. So we uh, go from there to the opening titles and then start act one. And you learn a little bit more of this planet. The prisoners on this planet all do sort of prescribe to this religion. You know, if you sin, bad things are going to happen. It's kind of like intense and the main leader of the prisoners is still the same preacher, preacher character. He cares about his people. He really believes in this kind of religion. And maybe it's like a prison, almost like work colony, you know, like they're forced to work. Maybe it's like the prisoners are terraforming this planet, maybe right. something like that. At least they're being useful. At least they're being useful. And the the head on the corporate side is like this doctor who sort of runs the prison. Maybe there's also a warden as well. So that's the the, the bad side. So uh, in the start of Act 1, another ship is pulled in, and it is Ripley's ship. And Ripley uh, with Hicks and Newt are there. But when you start this Act 1, there's no mention of those first people that arrived in the cold open. Ripley arrives... And the uh, doctor, who's now kind of like an antagonistic bad kind of force, sort of puts her in this prison. Now this tension is mounted because there's kind of like this weird temptation and like some of them are like, don't want her there. They think like it's this bad thing. They're kind of very superstitious. And she doesn't understand why she's being treated like a prisoner. She wants to know where the people that she came with have been. And the doctor... They took Hicks and Newt away. Like they separated them. Yeah, but we don't even see no, that. Really. Don't see we don't them. even oh, see okay, that gotcha, really. Gotcha. The the this first act plays out almost like this doctor is almost like convincing Ripley that she's crazy. Gotcha. You know okay. that there's gotcha. There's gotcha. no aliens. Like yeah, you you landed here. I don't know who you are. You've got to be in this prison because I don't know what's is going they to crash happen. Land? Um, in this they, one, it's sort of you, you yeah, it's sort of like the corporation in. has this ability to, to pull gotcha. thing, things in, so we don't waste time really with like the crash landing or any of that. Uh, Ripley's sort of like in this prison, trying to explain that you know whatever uh, the stuff that that's happened to her and where her friends are, and no one believes her, and then um, prisoners start dying, and they are sort of almost blaming Ripley. They think that she is either a murderer right. killing people, right. or she she has caused just superstitiously right. her arrival her. and being a sin or whatever is like is causing this bad stuff to happen while all the while the doctor is like me like well no, there's none of that he's almost like um, he keeps like trying to do like uh, like tests on Ripley sort of keeping her drugged it sort of comes to a head at the end of act one where the preacher gets killed oh, no. he gets killed by the alien and now this all these prisoners they've lost who their leader. they've lost their leader and they intensely blame ripley for bringing this whole thing about so uh act two all the prisoners are dying more of them are getting killed again to try to keep up the horror it's not so direct that you get to see like the alien running around it's just like these people are sort of getting murdered where even the audience may start to think like Is really going around killing everybody? Is she just like lost her mind? And then um, the the prisoners are starting to organize because they're like, we're going to go kill this lady in in her cell. The doctor is, I guess all this time has sort of been prepping Ripley because he's starting to want to do like uh, experiments on her. You reveal that the doctor did find this uh, first ship of people who escaped that planet. And just through luck, in quarantine, he was able to, like, cryogenically freeze the creature just as it burst out of this one of these people's chest. So he's sort of, like, got this frozen body right. in this tube with this chest burster half, half out. Oh. And he has been extracting cells, and he's sort of, am, like, amazed. He's is, like, yeah. I, I, we can do so much stuff with these the, the, the genetic material of, the, of these creatures. It's been crazy. And he's been, like, doing like, these genetic tests on the other people that have been... Um, that he, he rescued doing some genetic tests on some prisoners and yeah. things like that so he's almost got this lab of like half mutated alien half an idiot. creatures <laughs> because he a scientist you don't, know, you don't know what he's doing but in that time as well while he is explaining his evil plan to ripley who he's about to also perform some experiments on Classic. one of the prisoners has overheard this right and realizes oh my goodness this Corporation is really bad, <laughs> yeah. so he is able to like sort of convince this organizing group of prisoners like not going to kill this person. We're actually going to help her. They they believe Ripley and um, free her. And Ripley realizes I'm not crazy. I told you guys I'm not, I'm not. I have to go find Newt. Hopefully, like they haven't done experiments on her right. pseudo family of Newt and whatever yet. That's the end of Act Two. And Act Three is kind of like Ripley and these prisoners almost like converting the bunch of these prisoners into almost like military organizing them into sort of like being the good guys and how they're going to have to figure out how to overtake this corporation escape out of this prison they know that if they stay there they're just going to be experimented on it's like these horrible alien creatures all the while this doctor doesn't realize that he has one of these alien creatures has gotten away and that's the one that's been running around uh killing everybody the doctor knew about this, but he just hasn't told anybody. He knew that one escaped, probably. <laughs> yeah, sure. He's like, oh, let's he has. Yes. Um, I swear I had three in here. <laughs> so, this in this act three, it's mostly like you know, um, let's see, do I have the doctor dying? I hope so yeah I think at the end of this act the doctor uh, gets killed by the alien of course gets killed by what he's created by his own creation that would only make sense um, but the these prisoners and Ripley now still have the problem of like they have like a real alien to fight and they're just like a bunch of prisoners and then the only thing that they uh, reveal they do find uh, Newt and she is safe and alive and that gives Ripley like hope of like why she has to like continue to get out but they do find um, Hicks, who has been uh, genetically um, oh, no. th- and he's sort of like a, a half alien half whatever oh, kind of no. like. so she So when she finds him again it's not, they can't even have a moment because He's can, already a kind of a bad thing But I think Nikes. it's not like a, a full alien and I, I, I make it so that to give some kind of believability in that um, <laughs> in that these prisoners can, can uh, defeat this alien, it all comes down to like utilizing alien hicks to fight okay. that regular alien <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and kill each other or whatever help giving us. them a chance to get out doesn't have to be where they can talk it <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have to be like Jurassic Park <laughs> help me I will help you. Okay, let's team up. <laughs> and that's the end. Ripley, now prisoners not run by anybody because everyone is dead. There's just a couple of prisoners left. And then it's sort of like her sending the message out to the company in my iteration. I don't know why, but it's like, I think the company sort of run by Mother, the same computer who was like an alien, Aliens, the first one. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, come pick us up. Come rescue us. This, this terrible thing has happened. But then um, I would also like the reveal at the end that... Uh, either a sample or like the dna sequence of the alien the doctor had already uploaded it to the company so the company does know about know about these aliens and that's kind of the end on it i guess you can uh end it if you want it to be really really terrible you can end where it's on (laughs) earth uh the company headquarters in their lab and they're receiving like this dna sequence that they've gotten from space and they're starting to synthesize a little alien and it's starting to be uh built like a photo printer See? Like a little alien.
1: Leave it to Earth, right? <laughs>
0: Earth is no good. <laughs> and then that's kind of, you know, I think that's a budget-conscious film. That's very responsible. I think it's very responsible. I think it's, uh, Just you spend know... spend some of that money on crew lunches, guys. <laughs> you don't have to make things terrible. It still keeps, like, the studio's mandate where they really wanted, like, this prison... Um, aspect to it. Aspect yeah. to it. No, it's great. Fantastic. Concise. And so... Did you think either of these versions were better than the original?
1: Would you prefer to watch Lou's version or Chris's? Let us know by tweeting us at SolaceAnimation with the hashtag Alien3Fix. Tune in next week for our Matrix Reloaded episode. It was a doozy, but hey, we can fix it. See ya.